It's good to be in church again this morning. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. I'd like you to stand. I'm going to read three verses of Scripture for the text today. John 14, verses 1, 2, and 3. I'm going to preach on the subject, What's Up With Heaven? What's Up With Heaven? You know, a lot of times we don't think much about heaven. We either saved should be thinking about it. I remember as a young boy growing up in a church down south just a little ways, it seemed like the older folks, and I'm part of the older folks now, but it seemed like the older folks then, they would get up and make testimonies about how they looked forward to going to heaven. As a little old boy, I thought, boy, that sounds stupid to me. You know, who wants to go to heaven? You know, everything's all right down here. Well, I thought it was, but I, I've matured quite a bit since then. And I, the longer I live, the more I have a desire to go to heaven. I guess because I got more people there than I got down here just about anymore. And so I appreciate you praying for me today as I bring this message. John chapter 14, verse number one. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful today, God, for the scripture that you've given us, God, that we can have a hope of a place in heaven. I'm glad that you've gone to prepare a place and you tell us not to let our heart be troubled. If we look at society today and even in this nation today, we, we can have a troubled heart. But God, if we look to you and to your word and look to you in prayer, God, then you can take that troubled heart and give it peace and joy. We're thankful for that today. Help me, God, as I preach this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's epitaph in the cemetery in the state of Indiana. Here lies the body of old man Pease, buried beneath the flowers and the trees. But Pease ain't here, he's just, just a podge. Pease shelled out and went to God. I thought that was pretty good. But a lady was listening to that preacher say that. She thought, you know, when I get home, I'm going to talk to my missionary group there, the women's missionary group, and I'm going to quote that to them. Well, she tried to quote it and she accidentally got it wrong. She said, here lies the body of old man Pease, buried beneath the flowers and trees. But Pease ain't here, just the shell. And if she'd have finished it, she'd have had him in hell. You'd be careful when you repeat something that you think you've heard and don't get it down right, okay? It's true one day that we as true believers now will leave this pod behind, this empty shell. That's what it'll be. It'll be an empty shell and go somewhere called heaven. And that's true because the Bible tells us a lot about heaven. But if that's true and it is, it makes sense to check out the place we're going to live forever. A teacher asked us, a children in Sunday school class, if I sold my house and sold my car and give all the money that I have to the church, would I go to heaven? And the children stood up and said, no, you wouldn't go to heaven. She said, well, if I cleaned the church every day and mowed the yard every day and kept everything neat and tidy, would I get into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well, she said, well, how then can I get into heaven? From the back of the room, a five-year-old boy said, you've got to die first. <laughs> Think about that one. You've got to die first. Most of us want to go to heaven, but we don't want to die to get there. Amen. We want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven. Now, where will you go when you die? Two places you can go. You can go to heaven and go to hell. Only two places. The current death is still 100%. That's the death rate. Three humans die every second. Every time your watch or clock ticks a second off, three people have died in this world. You figure that up in a day and you've got a lot of people that's gone out into eternity. No doubt many of them lost without God. So where do we get our information from about heaven? Well, 
Somebody says, well, I had a dream. Well, I've had dreams and none of them's ever come true. And you say, well, I have a vivid imagination. I'm sure you do. And maybe I do too. But I don't think we can judge it by that. Uh, maybe somebody had a near-death experience. I remember when I was about 12 years old, I had a near-death experience. I talked back to my dad. You didn't talk back to Archie Douglas. I had a near-death experience, Brother Van. I thought I was going to die. I was going to get beat to death. No, the Bible says no one has seen God at any time, and none can return from the dead. Now, I know you can go to places and buy these books. I, I was dead for three days and went to hell and come back and went to heaven and come back. Don't believe it, folks. Amen. Don't you believe it. Don't waste your money. Amen. Okay, you're just throwing your money away because no one has died and come back as they say they have. Now, uh, the Bible says no one has seen God at any time. None can return from the dead. Paul, who was allowed a glimpse into heaven, was sent back with instruction not to tell what he saw. And then there's John the Revelator. He was given a revelation or a vision and was given permission to give us a peek into heaven but with no great detail. It was the same John that we read about here in the scripture in the text that we study and was inspired to reveal a bit about the place Jesus would go prepare a place for us. Some say we shouldn't give too much effort to think about heaven, but I, I, I love to think about heaven because that's where I'm going. I remember one time I was witnessing to a man and he began to get angry. He said, won't you just go to hell? And I said, I'm not going to hell. I said, I refuse to go to hell. He looked at me kind of odd. What do you mean you refuse to go to hell? I said, I've made preparation to go to heaven. I'm not going to hell. And so you can make preparations today to go to heaven. Some people think you get so heavily minded, you're no earthly good. They say if we focus on the next world, we lose our vision for, relieving, uh, vision for relieving suffering in this world. I believe it is when we lose sight of eternity that we get so wrapped up in this present life. Thinking about hell doesn't discourage me in this life. It motivates me to preach the truth. Thinking about heaven doesn't distract me from the here and now. It motivates me to take others there with me. It's always bothered me that statistics say that by and large, Christians don't live any different than the world does. Could it be because we lack a teaching about eternity? You see, if you forget God, that God has prepared a wonderful place for you, or when it's simply not on your radar screen, you develop a hunger for paradise in your heart, and you begin to try to create it here on earth. You can spend a lot of money, go to great extremes to try to build your utopia, complete with all the comforts of heaven. Somehow you need to remove pain. You're not going to be able to do that. Somehow you're going to have a beautiful place. Most of us won't be able to do that. More toys, more luxuries, no stress, no commitments. Just find a way to escape from this world. These things might be okay to have to some extent. But let's remember, we can never really come close to approximating what awaits us in heaven. Down here, you can be rich and only lead to emptiness. Down here, fame is pain and stressful, and fame doesn't last very long. Sometimes you see actors and actresses come up on the screen, and boy, they say, man, the greatest actors and actors that there ever was, and soon they fizzle out. You'll hear from them forever again. Pleasure is fleeting. It doesn't last long. No matter how you try to medicate it with the pain, it's real and never completely goes away. The richest man who was Solomon that ever lived, and also the wisest man, set reason that all is vanity and vexation of spirit. God has placed within the heart a hunger for heaven. If we don't feed that hunger from the truth of the Word of God, we will begin to attempt to replace that with cheap allurements of this world, trying to create a paradise of our own. Now let me ask you a question. What if God allowed us to create our own heaven on earth? What if we was able to trade the true heaven in order to get it? I don't think we'd be very happy with it, do you? I really don't. Now what's up with heaven? First of all, there's a prominence of heaven. 
The word heaven is mentioned over 500 times in the Bible. The word heaven means lofty or high up. It carries the idea of a raised goal as being high on our priority list as something to aspire to. Yes, heaven is prominent in the Bible, prominent in our language and culture. It's just not prominent in our thoughts as believers or else we would make big changes in how we view life on this earth. Our perspective would be very different if we really grasped what Jesus said to us in our text today. So there's a preeminence in heaven. There's a plurality of heaven. The Bible speaks of three heavens, the atmosphere, outer space, or stellar heaven. The third heaven, the place where God resides. And don't confuse them in Scripture. The first heaven is found in Isaiah chapter 55. And the Bible says there in verses 9 and 10, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And so that's the that's the uh, one of the, the atmosphere part of heaven. And then we see uh, the Bible tells us there in Genesis one verse twenty, and God said, Let the waters bring forth. Uh, abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. That's the first heaven. Now the second heaven is found in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 14. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let there be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And then the third heaven, Paul said in verse number 3, he said he got caught up into the third heaven there in verse number 3. That's in Genesis chapter 1. There, I didn't know I had that kind of power. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1, and in verse number 3, he said, I was caught up into the third heaven. And verse 4 says, How that he was caught up into the paradise and heard unspeakable words which are lawful for man to utter. When we pray, what's the, what's the prayer in the Bible? We pray our Father which art where? In heaven. He's in heaven. Now, we're going to try to find out where heaven is, all right? And then in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16, the Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father again, which is in heaven. So Jesus is in heaven. Psalms 11, verse 4. The Bible tells us there in Psalms 11, verse 4, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. This is the eternal abode of God and the one mankind aspires to. Then there's the place of heaven. Jesus said in the scripture I read, I go prepare a place for you. Now I live down south of town. I live in a place. I give you the address. I give you the directions to get there. I give you the direction to get to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. But the, the place is heaven. The disciples' hearts here are troubled there in John chapter 14. They have the news that Jesus is going to be killed and depart from the earth. And Jesus turns around and gives them the good news. They'll be joining him one day. The Father's house is home. Now, I have earthly home, but it's just a temporary place I reside. There's something very intimate and personal about this place Jesus is describing. Number one, it's a real place for real people that has prepared themselves for that place. Now, how you go about that? The new birth. Jesus told Nicodemus, you have to be born again. You must be born again. A place for you is a sense of location. Now, I don't know if I can just pinpoint exactly where heaven is, but we know that when Jesus ascended, he went up, the Bible says, so we know that heaven probably is up. Everybody refers to heaven as being up. 
Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 10. Bible says there, he that descendeth is the same also that ascendeth up far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Acts 1 and verse 10 and 11. Bible says, while they looked steadfastly, that's the disciples now, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, not a different Jesus, the same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, and you see them go into heaven. I like those, that verse, those two verses of Scripture. Now, which way is up? Well, I'm standing here before you. Up is that direction. Yeah. What if you're on the other side of the world? Where's up? It's still this way, isn't it? Wherever you're at, up is this way, okay? So, which way is up? We say directly above where you stand. Since this world is a sphere, it's round, it's not flat. Right. It would be in a different direction from every point on the earth. It would be everywhere in general and nowhere in particular. Let me give you a better answer. This is Lucifer talking in Isaiah 14 and verse 13. The Bible says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Ascend means going up. Okay? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Again, talks about going up. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. That was what he was wanting to do. Job 26 and verse 7 said, He stretches out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. I want you to go home and try to hang something upon nothing. Now, Ramona had, had some of the girls from church here come to helped clean the house the other day. We had a big meeting yesterday. Her family and mine, the in-laws and the outlaws. I'm not sure which ones were which. But some were outlaws and some were in-laws, okay? But they hung pictures. Pictures she hadn't hung since we'd been married. But they didn't hang them on nothing. They hung them on the wall. Right. You and I cannot hang something on nothing. It doesn't work that way. It works that way with God. Amen. Bible said there in that passage of Scripture, He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. Think about hanging the earth upon nothing. No matter where you are on the earth, north is always up. Perhaps heaven somewhere in the northern heavens. I read after an astronomer, and I have no confidence in this, okay, so I'm just going to give it to you. Astronomers say there's a, a place in space that seems to be vacant of stars and galaxies in the northern heavens beyond the Polaris, the North Star. Now, this is just speculation. Heaven may be in another dimension entirely. I want to apologize to all the Southerners that may be listening, but heaven apparently is north, according to the Bible. <laughs> I'm glad I'm up here quite a ways from the south, okay? <laughs> then there's the preciousness of heaven. Everything that's near and dear to us, Christ followers, is in heaven. Our Redeemer is there, Hebrews 9, 24. Bible says, For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. I like that. My Redeemer is there. Yeah. Amen. Streets of gold, they're there. Gates of pearl, they're there. Sea of glass is there. All that fades in comparison to the Son of God. All of that fades. Do you want to touch gold? Do you want to touch the nail-scarred hands? You want to touch the silver that's there and the pearls on the gates? You want to reach in and touch the pierced side of the Son of God? Then our relationships are there. 
One way to know you're getting old is when you have more loved ones in heaven than you have down here on earth. Hebrews 12, 23 says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Ladies Home Journal a while back did a, a poll, and I'm glad they did it. It saved me a lot of time and trouble. Nice of them to do it for my sermon. And the question was this, whom would you like to see first in heaven? They didn't ask anybody if they were going, but whom would you like to first see in heaven? 31% said mother. 16% said father. Oh, your spouse will get ready, okay? 10% said they wanted to see their spouse. <laughs> if you got some mending to do, now would be a good time to mend it, okay? <laughs> now I tell you what I, who I want to see first. The Son of God. I want to see the one that bled for me, the one that died for me, the one that went to the cross for me, the one that shed his blood, the one that was crucified. That's the number one I want to see. I say, secondly, be my wife, Myra, who passed away. Married for 52 years. I think about her every day. Not that I don't love Ramona, don't get me wrong. Because I do. I wouldn't have married her. But I think that my spouse would be second. Mother and father would come in pretty close to the same. But did you notice that Jesus wasn't mentioned here? In the top three, he was not mentioned. Our creator, our redeemer. The one that loved us more than anybody else could ever love us. Wasn't mentioned here in this. Our resources are there. First Peter 1, verse 3 and 4 said, Blessed be the God of our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy had begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. It always amazed me when people's parents pass away how greedy the children can become. It amazes me. I mean, it's, it's just, it, I don't know. Nothing but old-fashioned greed is all it is. But our resources are there. To an inheritance incorruptible. Everything in this world is corruptible. Yep. To inheritance, the Bible says, not only incorruptible, but undefiled. And fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Yep. When God is your Father, you become an heir. Yep. And you have an inheritance in heaven reserved for you. Yep. And then there's our residence, Philippians 3 and verse 20. It says, for our conversation, that word conversation is talking about our citizenship. For our conversation is in heaven, from which also you look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not a citizen of this earth. I'm just a, a pilgrim passing through. This world is not my home. Sing with me. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's door. And I don't feel at home in this world anymore. I'm on a visa from heaven. One of these days I'm going to turn that visa in. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm an ambassador, the Bible says. I've been sent by my king to represent him for a short time. So our residence is, is there. No wonder Paul said, set your effects on things above, not on things on the earth. If we forget about heaven and never look up, all we do is look around, and that can be very depressing and discouraging. Because remember, one day we're going home. 
I remember when I was in school, away from here for a while, and I didn't do very well in school. I, I got there and didn't want to be in college. Kind of like your pastor, I guess. And anyway, after the first semester, I come home. And I remember when I got near home that I could see the house. I thought, thank God I'm home. Thank God I'm home. Well, I'm really not home yet. But someday I'll be able to thank God I am home. Our reward's there. Matthew 5, 12. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Five crowns that I find we can earn by our service for the Lord. I'm not going to get into those. But God is into motivation by reward. Somebody said to me one time, I don't want a reward. Well, you're probably not going to get one. <laughs> I found out if you don't have a desire for something, you're not going to get it. But since he's worthy, when they do get a reward, a crown, whatever you want to call it, the Bible says we'll lay it at his feet. Then our riches are there. Matthew 6, verse 20 and 21. Lay not up yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I said something about those that survive the, the death of their mom, mom and dad. Many times they have a great desire. That, that's where their treasure is. That's where their heart is, is getting the things that mom and dad have left behind. But the only way to send treasure to heaven is to invest in things going here, like the souls of mankind. Invest by witnessing. Amen. Invest by giving. Amen. Invest by, you know, praying for those in the mission field. As Jesus said in his word, do what you can, he said to the, to the woman there in the New Testament. Then our reservation is there. Revelation 21, verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, did whatsoever worthy of the abomination, maketh alive with they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Is your name written in the registry? Have you made the reservation? The Kingsman Quartet a number of years ago put out a song, I've made, I have a reservation. My name is written down. I hope you can say that today. Luke 10, 20 says, Rejoice because your name are written in heaven. Don't rejoice because you're born into a certain family here on this earth. or Don't rejoice because of your bank account. But rejoice because your name is written in heaven. What if you got to the gate of heaven and God asked you if he should let you in, what would you say? Well, I went to Liberty Faith Church pretty regularly. Pretty regularly. Not all the time, you know. You don't want to get carried away with it. You know. But I went to church pretty regularly. Or I gave all I could money. How about your time and your talent? Did you give any of that? I taught a Bible class. Pastor, I could say I preached for over 40 years. You think that's going to get me into heaven? No way. No way is that going to get me into heaven. You'd think it would, but it won't. Here's a true story. Ruth Anna Metzer, a professional singer, tells the story of being asked to sing at a wedding of a very wealthy man. According to the invitation, the reception was to be held on the two top floors of Seattle's Columbia Tower, the northwest tallest skyscraper. She and her husband, Roy, were excited about attending. At the reception, waiters were in tuxedos, offered luscious food and exotic beverages. The bride and groom approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase that led to the top floor. Someone cut a satin ribbon draped across the bottom of the stairs. They announced the wedding feast was about to begin. The bride and groom ascended the stairs, followed by their guest. At the top of the stairs was a maitre d' with a book bound and greeted the guest outside the doors. And that maitre d' said, may I have your name, please? said, my name is Ruth Ann Metzer. This is my husband, Roy. 
He searched through the M's. He didn't find her name. He said, would you spell that name, please? She spelled her name slowly. After searching the book, he looked up and said, I'm sorry, but your name isn't here. She said, there must be some mistake. She said, I'm the singer. I sang for the wedding. The man said, listen, it doesn't matter who you are or what you did. Without your name in the book, you cannot attend the banquet. He motioned to a waiter and said, show these people to the service elevator, please. The waiter led Ruth Ann and Roy to the service elevator, ushered them in, and pushed G for the parking garage. They located their car, drove several miles in silence. Roy reached over and put his hand on Ruth Ann's arm and said, sweetheart, what happened? She said, well, she said, when the invitation arrived, I was so busy. I never bothered to give them a notification that we would be there. Besides, I was a singer. Surely, she said, I could go to the reception without returning the invitation. She started to weep, not only because she missed the most lavish banquet she'd ever been invited to, but also because she suddenly had a small taste of what it would be like someday for people as they stand before Christ and find their name not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Throughout the ages, countless people have been too busy to respond to Christ's invitation to his wedding banquet. The young person said, I'm too busy with school. I'm too busy with sports. They get out of school and they go to college maybe or they find a job. Well, I'm still too busy. I just don't have the time. And then all of a sudden they find somebody to marry and they get married and then they have children. They still don't have the time. And they grow old and finally they're not even able to get to the house of God. But your name's not written down. One day they take their last breath. But their name's not written down. Remember the old song, Please Search the Book Again? I thought my name was there. Ask again, is your name there? Is your name there? It better be there. To be denied interest in the heaven's wedding banquet means the elevator will not be put will go much lower than the garage. Your destination will be hell. Verse 6 in, in chapter 14 tells us exactly one way to heaven. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Ramona and I got married last July the 10th, 2022. We spent the first night down at our house. The next day we got up, I don't know what time we got up, but about noon we left and went down to Branson. We had a reservation down there. And we stayed down there for a couple of days. I never stayed in such a sorry place in my life. I mean, there was noise. You, you could not even think. It was so noisy. So I said, let's go to Springfield. So we, we got a reservation, we thought, in Springfield. We got there to the hotel. And I won't say the name of the hotel or anything. And we gave him our name. And he looked and he said, we don't have your name not here. You don't have a reservation. Well, I'm pretty short-tempered, especially since I got a bad headache a lot of times and got a head injury. And I, I want to take that place apart a brick at a time, Pastor. I don't know where to start. That was the only problem. Ramona said, now just calm down. Calm down? What do you mean calm down? So I went and sat down. After a while, she got it all worked out. I began to think about people standing before God. They live in this life. They live their life. They're a good neighbor. They're a good husband. They're a good wife. They're a good child. You know, 
go to work and do the job that they're paid to do. They don't expect somebody else to do their job. And one day they die. And they stand before God and find out they didn't have a reservation. Yeah. I can't even think that. No. I can't even contemplate that in my mind. Thinking you're saved all your life. And yet you get there and find out your name is not written down. Well, Ramona finally got it worked out. She's more diplomatic than I am. I want to boom my way through, you know. She got it all worked out. We stayed there that night. And next day we come home. But I began to think about it. I thought that's so much. I never had to say anything to her about it. I thought so much. I don't want to stand before my God and not have a reservation. Amen. I don't want to preach for 40 years, Brother Ray, and not have a reservation. Yes. I've pastored about 23 years. When my first wife got too sick, I had to come home and take care of her. But I don't want to stand before God and not have a reservation. I want to know my name is written down. Yes. Is your name on the list? The great thing is this. God is still taking reservations for heaven today. Amen. Is your name written down? I'm not asking if you're religious. That's right. I'm asking is your name written down in the Lamb's Book of Life? Right. You better be there. I very seldom watch a show, but the other day I watched a show on Jeffrey Dahmer. One of the greatest serial killers, and not only did he kill people, but he ate them as well. He was a cannibal. And he liked, what he was trying to do was build a shrine with the skulls of those that he killed. He liked one more skull, having enough to build that shrine that he wanted to build. I know it sounds, this is terrible, okay? I couldn't hardly watch it. But I wanted to see just exactly what kind of guy this guy was. But they caught him before he killed the last person he needed to kill. This man got 15 life sentences. They should have hung him, but they, he got 15 life sentences. But he served only two years because somebody in prison stabbed him to death. 15 life terms, okay? 15 life sentences. Let me tell you something, folks. If you go to hell, a 15 life sentence is going to be a short time compared to hell. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know how many years they figure a life sentence is. But let's say you're 40 years old and you get a life sentence. Well, let's say you live to be 80. That's 40 years. Then you got another 80 add on to that. 80 more, 80 more, 80 more. 15, 15 uh, different uh, ones you got to add on to that. He didn't live two years after they put him in prison. As far as I know, he died lost without God. Mm -hmm. I, I was hoping as I listened that somewhere they would say that this man got saved. You say, you think God will save him? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Lord save me. Yeah. Lord save some of you. Amen. We deserve that life sentence in hell. Did you know that? But I know my name's written down. Now, I probably won't leave a lot of earthly goods to my family. I'm going to try to take care of Ramona, and I've got some things to give to my daughter. But I want them to know, if nothing else, that Dad and Grandpa is in heaven. Amen. I want them to know that. I'm not there because I'm a good man. I'm sorry as I come. 
But let me tell you, I'm there because of the blood Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross. That's why I'll be there. That's why you'll be there. You're not going to be there because you're a good husband or a good wife or a good neighbor. You're going to be there because of Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. Is your name written down? Is your name written down in heaven? If your number was up today and you didn't even make it home, you close your eyes here. And Paul said to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. I don't believe in any of this in-between stuff. Amen. Would you be with the Lord? Would you be there with him? Search your heart. Be true to yourself. Search your heart and be true. Be honest with yourself. Only you can know. You could ask Ramona, you think Danny's saved? She'd probably say, absolutely. But you know, Ramona can't see my heart. I can't see her heart. Do I believe she's saved? Absolutely. This is what I prayed for when I was looking for a wife. I prayed for a woman, first of all, that would love the Lord more than, more than she loved me. <coughs> If you as a spouse don't love the Lord more than you love your spouse, you cannot love your spouse correctly. Some young people need to swallow that two or three times. You need to love Jesus supremely. I said, I want somebody that served the Lord. You know, I, I want somebody that, that wants to still serve you. I don't know what God's got me in the future. Will I ever pastor again or not? I don't know. I don't know I'm physically able to do that anymore. But whatever it is, I wanted a wife that would come beside me, pray for me, pray with me. You know, I, I wanted a help meet, as the Bible says. And God pointed her out to me. Not trying to exclude anybody else, but God pointed her out to me. Are you ready to meet Jesus? I've often thought about this Jeffrey Dahmer. Was he ready to meet Jesus? I couldn't find any record anywhere where a preacher had visited him or anybody told him about the Lord. You know, it's not important that I didn't have a reservation in Springfield. Life would have went right on. It wouldn't have mattered. Oh, it mattered to me that night. But really wouldn't have made much difference in my life. But if I don't have a reservation up there, yes. yeah. my eternity is ruined. Yes. I want you to think about it, young people. Think about it, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. Think about it. Is your name written down in heaven? Let's stand this morning, if you will. I'd like to have a word of prayer. And Van, maybe you can get a song and have a couple of verses of, of a song. Our Heavenly Father, we just pray today that those that are listening online and those that are here within the sound of my voice would really examine themselves.